Education is something I have. Education is not who I am. Spirituality is the light that will enable you to operate intelligently on material. What does my business exist for? And then you need to have people who identify with what your business exists for. Good evening everyone. My name is Saurabh Sardana and you are watching the first episode of season 2, Recast. I'm so glad to have with me today Acharya Prashanji. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, most of you, you know, sort of follow him on, on like one of the social media channels. Acharya ji, I have done my research and I know that I think you've been to the best engineering college in India. Then you went to the best business school that one can go to. And then after that, I think you probably cracked, you know, the toughest exam in the world, which is for Indian civil services. Now, for, for somebody who has that kind of an achievement, taking the road less traveled, sort of going down, you know, the route of spirituality, if I may say, I think is, is, is a very unique decision. So uh, if we can just spend a couple of minutes in understanding for our audience, what really triggered this? How did you sort of travel, you know, from, a, you know, from the best engineering college, you know, to the best business school, you cracked the toughest, you know, sort of exam in the world. And then I think you sort of started your own foundation. Just give us a gist of this journey, because this journey in itself sounds fascinating. Sort of we, do we see that first of all, there is a strong assumption in the question. And the assumption is that uh, once life should be directed by, even dictated by his or her education. That one's educational qualifications should be at the center of one's uh, life. And I would uh, say life, not career, because um, career is at the center of one's life, right? You are what you do. So what we are saying is that uh, my degrees and uh, the educational pedigree which I might have obtained at the age of 24, 25 or 28 should then go on to drive the rest of uh, my life. But uh, think of it, education is something I have. Education is not who I am. Education, my education is for my sake. Mm. So education is something in my hands. I, it's, it's a resource. I have it with me now. It's knowledge or skill. Mm. I have knowledge, I have skill or I have a certain exposure. These are mm, important resources in my hand. Now, my resources cannot take the place of who I really am. My resources cannot become my central identity. Hmm? So, those things were there, right? The IIT education, the IIM education. And they were, uh, those things were used for the uh, best purposes possible. Just as uh, important resources should be dedicated to the highest purpose possible. So, those resources, that knowledge, that exposure is now being uh, put in the service of uh, a very worthy goal, a very important mission. That's what is happening. There is uh, really no uh, 
no dissonance there. In fact, uh, maybe we should just turn the question around and ask ourselves, why do we tend to use our resources, not as our resources, but as our drivers? Hmm? A resource should be something that I own. Instead, why should I allow my resource to own me? I saw a very important thing waiting to be done and I put all that I had in its service and I continue to do that and I advise people to do the same thing. If, if, you, if you have 10 rupees, don't you want to invest it in the best place possible? You don't want to misspend even, again, even even rupees 10 or rupees 100, then why should you misspend or rather not, not optimally spend? Because if I say misspend, it becomes uh, 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 very uh, tight or harsh kind of statement. So why should one not optimally spend the highest resource that one has? Hmm? And among the highest resources that one has are one's time, one's knowledge, one's intellect, Hmm? One's very self. I think that's a very, very unique and a very interesting take on, on you know, how you responded to that question. And I think it, it sort of immediately set the context for me that probably I think the way I asked question, I think, was sort of loaded with that assumption that, you know, because your journey looked, uh, you know, very typical to begin with, I think it should have continued in the same way. Whereas I think we as individuals are free to choose the route and the purpose that we want to deliver in the world. So I think I think this this sort of you know beautifully you know sort of segues into the question that I had in mind and I think this is one question that that I have to ask you. I I actually come from the world which is you know the world of business and I think you've been to a B school you know you've started business and you know you've seen like a lot of businesses operating around you. The sole purpose for business as it has been taught to us or what we practice is to make profits, right? Whereas I think, you know, you spoke about knowledge, you know, knowing oneself more than the other, talking about intellect. If I just say that, let's, let's use the word spirituality. I mean, it's a, it's a huge and it's a, it's a vast term. It has different manifestations. But I think spirituality is everything, but it will not focus on, you know, the materialism, you know, you know, the material aspects of what humans really want to achieve. Is there space for spirituality in business? How do you look at it? This... <laughs> Spirituality is the space, Saurabh, in which everything operates. You cannot have space for spirituality. Spirituality itself is the space in which all human activities, all actions of consciousness take place. Spirituality is the space. I'll elaborate. I know I have not been very clear on this. Uh, you see, what does one engage in any kind of activity including business activity for one engages for one's welfare right what does one want even material profits or benefits for one wants material profits or benefits for his well-being right and as long as you are operating in this world as a body which we all are obviously we are dealing with the material continuously I mean, even the air we breathe in is material, 
right? These sound waves that connect the two of us right now are material. Hmm? The laptop in front of me and the, the, the gadgets uh, on your body right now, they are all material stuff. Even without this material stuff, even this so-called spiritual conversation cannot take place. This very body that's talking of spirituality right now is a material thing. So you cannot have that kind of division where you put life on one side and spirituality on the other side or you put spirituality in just one small remote corner of the domain called one's life. We say... Um, there is this vast domain called one's life and there is that big space called personal life then there is another big space called professional life then there is a space called interests there is a space called relationships there is a space called this, that and there is also a space called the spiritual space it's not that way that very model is flawed spirituality is about Man's consciousness. We are conscious beings. We are sentient beings. Spirituality is about taking right decisions with respect to the material. Please understand this. You want to you want to start a firm. Equally, you have the option of accepting a lucrative job offer from somewhere. It is a spiritual question. The decision that you will take falls very much in the zone of spirituality. Similarly, the the question of relationships. Do I go ahead with this? What connects me to the other? Do I settle down? Do I marry? Do I have kids? These are all essentially spiritual questions. How will one live without spirituality? If, if, if the world is material, Saurabh, spirituality is the, is the light that enables you to walk down all the material roads. Spirituality is the light that enables you to choose rightly between one material and the other. Material by itself is just material. Don't you require light? And the, the, the way, the sense in which I am using the word light, I mean it to be immaterial or beyond material. No? So we need material, but we also need something in which we can know clearly the reality of the material. And that's what I am calling as light. No? So you can have material A, material B, material C, material D, material E. But what if all those materials are in front of you but in darkness? Spirituality is the light that will enable you to operate intelligently on material. Hmm? So, so you require spirituality all the time, in all the ways, every moment. Hmm? Right now, you could either listen carefully to me or isn't it possible that you get distracted? You know, all of us are ridden with so many diverse uh, affairs and uh, the issues. Similarly, at this very moment, it is possible for me to dedicate myself totally to this conversation with you or I could get a bit distracted. Spirituality is that which allows me 
to remain centered at the right place all the time. I must know what is important at this time. It's, it's not a bad definition. If we say spirituality is the art of knowing the important and dedicating yourself absolutely to what is important. So you require it at all times. Business activity is not at all separated or divorced or insulated from spirituality. The, the only thing here is that the way we the way we usually look at religion and even spirituality is that these are things that deal with the with the occult with the esoteric you know with something that is transcendental mystical mysterious on these all words that point towards something that is not related to the material hmm? moment you say occult you mean something that is not very much um, within the usual laws of physics the moment you talk of the transcendental or the mystical again you are referring to something that is not within the usual domain of the material so so spirituality has uh, come to acquire a very hazy uh, kind of uh, shape and notion in our minds uh, we have uh, we have ostracized spirituality from our moment to moment life and we have limited or consigned it or or just just bounded it within some very unreasonable boundaries a temple is a spiritual place for example in a temple you ought to be spiritual or you can have a spiritual place within your household or you can have a half an hour slot in the morning in which you sit down to meditate so that half an hour is a spiritual slot and what about the remaining 23 and a half hours how will you operate without spirituality in those in those in those hours i mean can you operate without light at any point in time so spirituality is that light that you need continuously i say it is like heartbeat hmm? it has to be continuous continuous quiet and central that's a that's a very interesting take i've sort of never thought about spirituality i think in that sense because i think what's been fed to us all the time is that spirituality is a mindset right can businesses be spiritual right which which sort of you know makes it sounds like that it is it is an acquired state rather than something that you know we live with so if i understand what you've just explained and if i just paraphrase that are you really saying that you know spirituality is something that we live with every moment and i think every decision that we take we must we must okay which means that not everybody lives with spirituality it's like day. your eyesight okay no okay. no that's obvious look at the state at the look at the state of the world look at the way you know we human beings operate and suffer it is obvious that people are uh, not uh, living in a spiritual way look at the destruction we have brought about on our ecosystems and on our even on our private lives it's obvious that we are not uh, 
living spiritually but that's something we we ought to do for our own sake not as a moral obligation not uh, as a uh, not because of some religious injunction but but very reasonably very sensibly for our own welfare we ought to be spiritual just take the analogy to its uh, its conclusion one just cannot move without light it doesn't matter whether one is moving in a factory or when is moving about uh, in a stadium or or even if one is just just sitting comfortably um, on a sofa set we require light don't we similarly we we require heartbeat hmm? so what heartbeat is to the body spirituality is to the consciousness or mind the only problem is when heartbeat ceases then the results are very gross and very evident you know you will know something extremely catastrophic is happening to the body because the the heartbeat is going wrong or the breath is going wrong and it's very very detectable unfortunately consciousness is not something material so you cannot look at consciousness in the same way you look at the body and immediately know that there is something wrong with consciousness right so the body misses a heartbeat and you know something has gone wrong the mind the consciousness misses spirituality and we do not come to immediately know that something horrible has happened and so we are able to continue even in our uh, our, our distorted state for long and that's what is happening to most of us unfortunately i think this is this is going in a very very interesting direction because one way to actually sort of you know talk about a spirituality is that a i think we won't be able to cover the length and breadth of this topic because it's vast it's huge right but sort of let me take a cue from you know what you just explained and let me just sort of you know give you a hypothetical situation in fact i think this can be an actual problem you know with many businesses you know that operate in india in singapore or even in the world say for example you know you get a call from an hr manager from 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 a particular business and you know she comes to you and she says you know what i think we are just sort of missing that heartbeat because i think people are sort of you know fighting with each other there is there's a lot of uh, you know toxicity you know sort of within the culture there are very differing you know opinions and point of views and i think as an hr i'm struggling you know to converge you know to bring all of that together can you as a spiritual facilitator as as a spiritual knowledge expert give me some very practical advice or if you can come down to my office and talk to everybody i think how would you go about implementing or, or you know solving you know that particular business problem using something that we already have within us and i think why i'm asking this question to you because i think it'll just sort of give a little bit of flavor to our audience and to our listeners as to you know what is the practical implementability of what we call as spirituality which is a which is a very vast topic to be covered in about 30 minutes you have to start with uh, what connects people and build on them the chair manager has come to us with the differences she sees she is seeing what what separates people but it's very important to remember what connects people and what connects people is so obvious so so evident that we just miss it 
What is it that connects people? Each of us wants his or her welfare. At our center, we are people who love joy. At our center, we are people who do not want to live in fear or distrust. We do not like these things. And that's what is common amongst uh, all of us. So I'll, I'll start from there. I'll ask, does this entire group or department or whatsoever, company unit, does this have a central thing to bind them together? If there does exist something centrally important, something to which each of them can be individually devoted, then there is going to be no serious problem. Because then the differences can be ironed out or even if they cannot be ironed out, they will simply be left behind. Please understand. Because at the center sits something so important that each person will give that important thing the first priority. Which means all those things that were causing differences and uh, divergence among people would then be accorded a lower priority. And differences are bound to be there because at the surface level we are all different. We talked of what is common amongst us, but what is common amongst us is at a deep level. At our core, we all have something in common, irrespective of our age or nationality or economic status or gender or, or political orientation or whatever. So at the core, we all have something in common, but at the surface, all we have is differences. So then the question obviously is, is the relationship superficial or is the relationship deep enough to allow the deep commonness to take over? If the relationship is merely superficial, then we know that at the surface, there are only differences. So the relationship, the, the entire network of people who are there in that business, all they will have with them is differences and it would be a chaotic kind of place that won't go very far. If you want the whole thing to go far, then you have to find out what central purpose does this business serve? What do you have to tell your employees? Why do they exist? Why do they come to the office every morning? What's the net output of their effort, their labor beyond the salary check that they get? There has to be an overriding mission. I say overriding because it should be able to override the differences among people. That should be the strength of the, of the mission of the company. And if uh, that kind of a mission does not exist, then I uh, don't want to uh, just uh, offer a superficial consolation. Then the only way to keep the group intact is by offering uh, superficial allowances or imposing disincentives and that's what uh, businesses usually do. But all that is needed principally because the, the group, 
does not know what they are working for. You know, you cannot have a business whose only aim is to maximize shareholder value. No, no sane person, no loving person can work all his life, all her life just to maximize the money in uh, somebody else's pocket and that to a stranger's pocket. You know, the group of shareholders is often not even known to the group of employees. Even if they are known, at least uh, there is no intimate bonding between these two groups, the, the shareholders. And I'm talking about a closed company in which there are a limited number of shareholders. There is no intimate bonding between these two groups. There are the shareholders, there are the employees. And, and, and what are we trying to say? We are saying the employees exist for the sake of shareholders. Probably uh, in the legal sense they do. But then all you will have is, is chaos and differences and conflicts. And that's what we often find in so many organizations. If you want to avoid that, first of all, you have to figure out the very nature of the business. What does my business exist for? And then you need to have people who identify with what your business exists for. And that should be the central devotion of each single person in the organization. Then you will have the, the commonness, Trump over the the divisions that's a that's a very very useful perspective acharya ji um i think i think you you sort of you know shared a couple of points that that sort of you know now leads me to my next question and and i, I think that's that's about you know this new buzzword within business circles uh you know it's called sustainability i mean everybody is now talking about business sustainability uh because i think everybody wants to work in favor of the planet you know for their people for peace for prosperity and i think this is this is sort of a you know newer concept i think in its in its previous avatar i think you know the word that was getting used more and more around the globe within business circles was corporate social responsibility now somebody i think who's who's sort of you know uh, you know done extensive reading who's trained you know who's who's acquired knowledge Uh, or who's acquired vedantic knowledge what do you think the ancient scriptures from india can offer to these western philosophies because you know business sustainability brand sustainability i think all these concepts really come from west and i think east just ends up acquiring them what would you say can be the contribution from vedantic knowledge that that even sort of western world or you know western businesses you know can learn it's a good thing to begin with sustainability let's go into this word sustainability what does one want to sustain what is it that one wants to sustain obviously one wants to sustain things as they are one wants to sustain a state in which you are able to take from the planet without impoverishing or hurting the planet so much that the planet uh, is in no more a condition to give you so we are talking about sustenance of the human being and because uh, the human being cannot sustain for long without the planet therefore we are uh, uh, thinking of the planet because we are now being forced to do that hmm? had it been possible 
to draw infinitely from the planet, we would probably uh, not have talked of uh, sustainability. And that's the difference between the Western and the Eastern approach. The Eastern approach will not say that uh, sustainability is an obligation. The West has come upon sustainability only because it found its ways unsustainable. Had those ways not been as unsustainable, the West would have said, carry on, carry on, carry on. But that kind of consumption that's happening at per capita level in, in the US or in France or Canada or such places, that won't be possible for long. So it's not out of mercy for the vanishing species of flora and fauna or because of love for the ecosystem that the word sustainability has come. It's not because we have suddenly become better human beings, therefore we are talking of sustainability. We are talking of sustainability for our own sake. Our own sake. And that's the, that's the difference. Vedant says your welfare has to be clearly understood before you start doing something for the sake of your welfare. You must know where your real welfare lies before you jump the gun and uh, uh, start acquiring material or start consuming material, uh, feeling that uh, material will give you joy, happiness, contentment, whatever you want from it. So, Vedantic wisdom at the very beginning says, not at the end, the West has come to the very climax of consumption and is now talking of sustainability. Vedant says right at the very beginning, will consumption give you what you really crave for? Because you do not crave for consumption as such. You want something else through consumption, via consumption. Now, will consumption ever give you that which you so desperately want? And each human being is just a, a bundle of wants, aren't we? We want, we want, we want. And when you say you do not want anything more, then it's obvious that you are no more. You're dead, even physically dead. We keep wanting, that's our central identity. We keep wanting, we keep wanting. We could say a human being is a wanting animal, an animal with desires and, and infinite desires. We keep wanting, we keep consuming, we keep consuming. Vedan says figure out before you run this mad and infinite race of consumption. How important really consumption is in life? Obviously, we cannot live with zero consumption. Obviously, we need, we need shelter, we need clothes, we need food, we need transport, we need technology, we need these things. But what is the place of these things in life? That's the moot question. So, when you address that question, 
then sustainability is automatically taken care of. You are asking, what is my nature and how does that nature relate to the material around me? There is me and there is money and there is a huge building and there is a great car or a yacht and there is that massive jumbo jet and there is the, there is the island that I can buy and, and there is that prestigious position I can acquire. Will that, which is me, be really satiated by all that? And that's a question. There are no answers here. Vedanta is not about beliefs. So it does not provide you easy answers. It does not ask you to believe in the answers that are given in some uh, holy scripture. Vedanta asks questions. Vedanta is an inquiry. Ask. So what are you here for? Hmm? And if there is a continuous dissatisfaction in the mind, will you ever be able to plug that dissatisfaction using what you are currently doing? And once you are asking that question, you know this mad race for consumption, it, it gets, uh, it loses its steam on its own. The moment you ask, what is my relationship with other beings, other human beings, other animals, hills, rivers, birds? You are no more in a state to, to just slaughter them and consume them and finish them off. It's not possible anymore because now you are firstly asking, who am I doing that? Not as a matter of rights, but as a matter of identity. How does that even benefit me to do that? So sustainability comes right at the beginning, not at the end. Sustainability comes as wisdom, not as an obligation, not as something that is enforced upon you by, by what you now see around or by science or by legislation. Uh, today, you talk of CSR, it came about due to legislation. Hmm? Vedant says individual responsibility is enough and individual responsibility comes from individual understanding. And what is to be understood? The first thing to be understood is, who am I? If I know who I am, then I know what my central responsibility is. And I also know what I need to do, how I need to act. And how do I need to act? Suddenly not in the direction of blind, unmitigated consumption. So, 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 so sustainability is automatically taken care of. The way the West is going, you know, you will care for sustainability only as long as you probably do not have another planet to inhabit. If a point comes when the entire humanity, or at least the privileged ones, can uh, emigrate to another more hospitable planet, then people will say, we, we give two hoots to sustainability on this planet. So this is just an enforced sustainability. It will, it's better than not caring for sustainability at all, obviously, but uh, it won't go a long way. That's 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 a very, very interesting take. And so are you saying that, you know, the Western philosophy or, you know, the Western way of looking at sustainability is completely flawed? 
obviously at the center it is quite flawed obviously what you are saying is you know use resources in a way hmm, uh, that they last they last for you you are still keeping your own little petty self interest at the center hmm? i'll i'll give you a small analogy saurabh here in india you you know about uh, the alarming um, sex ratio huh? the sex ratio at birth and uh, at 3 years of age 5 years of age you you know of that right and it's uh, the worst in the northern states punjab haryana rajasthan even in delhi so one of the things that the governments are doing is they say please take care of the girl child hmm? don't indulge in feticide or infanticide else how will you get brides now that's the kind of sustainability that the west is talking of that's the kind of sustainability the ego always talks of save the girl child for the men hmm? save the girl save the girl that much is said save the girl and what is not said for the men similarly the west is saying save the planet within brackets for human beings for human beings now does the planet have no right to be saved on its own for itself no but in the in the consumption centered mind everything exists for its own sake for the sake of its own consumption so save the girl otherwise how will we have women to consume save the planet otherwise how will we have places to consume no this won't work this won't go far i think i think acharya ji what i sort of really liked about uh, you know how you described the whole vedantic knowledge you know in like one sentence uh, would it be right to say that you know just understand why you do before what you do and i think that that quest you know for for exploration i think will just sort of you know make you take better decisions in life obviously and it's a it's a little deeper than that see who the doer is see where he comes from see what within you is so eager to do what you do see what within you drives you to your workplace every morning see what within you is so afraid of that particular thing or happening see what within you keeps looking at the future hmm? that thing who who exactly is it within uh, uh, operating like that this is this is a very exciting conversation but i think from from the way you explained that you know it's important for every organization whether they are in business or you know sort of you know they are in any of the other allied activities to sort of really ask this introspect um, as to you know why they do what they do and who's the doer and then i think you know sort of you know really talk about the deeds i think this brings me to the question about your foundation i think you know you work towards humanity but if you can just give like a very quick brief description of what your foundation does and i think what are the goals and i think the point that i will be more interested in knowing is for like a foundation that works in this space do you have a finite goal or do you have infinite goals which means that you know there is no finiteness you know to what you do and i think you know you'll just sort of keep going and keep doing just for the sake of of pleasure joy or you know sort of whatever your outcomes are so just explain us a little bit more and and you know we'll we'll then you know take this discussion forward mm. at the level of people who are 
who have devoted everything to this work and are involved full time the number is not very large around 25 much larger is the number of volunteers who contribute in whatever way they can so somebody is contributing for half an hour a day somebody couple of hours a day and and they are scattered across the world so we we receive help from them you know somebody is uh, helping us in the in the technical zone somebody with uh, with just let's say proofreading of books hmm? so those kind of things are there yes we do have very strict very tangible day to day goals for ourselves and uh, it's a very intense workplace requiring very high degree of discipline and devotion actually life and work converge at the foundation so we we really do not even have any fixed work hours and there are people who work even up to 15 hours 18 hours a day when needed but then nobody counts it as work because uh, parallelly it is it is recreation it is entertainment as well hmm? so uh, yeah that's the way we are working oh. and uh, finally the goals are infinite there's i cannot see a point where i could say that the work is done and we can disband the whole thing i do not see that so and that's what keeps us going you know the the whole thing is so enormous so so huge so massively important that it's just not possible to shy away from it once you have seen the importance of it you cannot not do it so then then everything gets aligned around the one central thing in life which is the work and the work is to is to is to take care of the unnecessary bondages we all are in the unnecessary darkness we espouse that's what we challenge that's what we fight obviously it is such a huge thing that we do not even expect to to reach anywhere in our lifetimes and we are contented with that realization we do not expect to have moved one particular mountain in the next 20 years and then celebrate it having said that as i said we do have very 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 critical day to day goals somebody has to has to publish a video somebody has to finish off a book somebody has to arrange for a seminar somebody has to fly to bangalore to arrange for the upcoming camp and all of those things operate on very on very tight leashes and secret timelines so yeah both things are there on one hand we do not know what we are going towards on the other hand when it comes to day by day functioning or week by week functioning or a monthly thing we have uh, 
tight targets so if if businesses have to approach you i mean on what kind of partnerships you know they can they can approach the foundation and you know how can you know there be synergy uh, you know between what you do and and you know what sort of different kinds of businesses you know sort of might need from foundation is it is it just about voluntary work or you know are there are there sort of you know potential synergies between different institutions and the foundation see uh, irrespective of uh, what the entity is the entity could be a, an individual or the entity could be a couple the entity could be a family or the entity could be a huge organization if the entity is interested in knowing the facts of its existence and living more harmoniously then probably we can assist we exist for the sake of such assistance acharya ji i think it was uh, it was a fantastic 40 45 minutes chat with you um, i wish uh, you know i could have done this longer but probably i think there's always a next time and i think we should we should keep you know some of you know your knowledge and wisdom you know reserved for you know when we meet next so thank you so much i think for coming on recast and and i think uh, you know i i had an absolutely enjoyable time thank you so much same here sir thank you You've been listening to Recast with me, Saurabh Sardana. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. Also, if you want to chat with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter.